at 10, you'll find some money. And he said, Red, you are to use that money and make a fresh start in your life. Grab it, take it with you and go over to the border into a little Mexican fishing village and restart your life there. So that's the conversation that both uh, Andy and Red have. Not long after this conversation, Andy escapes out of jail. And then a short time after that, Red is also paroled out of prison as well. Uh, Red remains faithful to his friends, so he goes to this tree in this certain cornfield, in this certain tree, in this certain area, and pulls away a few rocks, and he discovers this tin at the bottom of this tree. Uh, Red opens the tin, and then he finds in there a letter from Andy, and Andy's written there, Red, never forget, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. Red, never forget, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and hope and the good things never die. Well, this is what the resurrection of Jesus Christ is about. It's about this eternal hope that Jesus brings. Let me just read a passage with you from uh, 1 Peter, which will uh, be where we're talking about today. 1 Peter chapter, three, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through to uh, verse 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Father, we just thank you and praise you today that we can come and uh, remember this day and actually celebrate this day, Lord, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this supernatural event that has changed the course of human history. Uh, Lord, today we pray now that you would uh, send your Holy Spirit just to open up the truths of this passage, open up the truth of the resurrection of Christ And we pray, God, for those who have never trusted in Jesus before, that today would be the day, Lord, when you would open their eyes up to see this wonderful, glorious truth that is found in Christ. And that, Lord, within that, you would grow in our hearts this amazing hope, the hope of the resurrection, the eternal hope. Lord, we ask now that you'll do this for your glory and for our good. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope. How do we define the word hope? What does hope mean? actually mean hope is the confident expectation of something happening and generally when we think about that it's an event that's going to happen in the future when we're hoping for some something to take place i'm hoping for the weather to be good next week for the weather for the wedding i'm going to we're hoping something in the future is a confident expectation that it'll be good or i'm hoping that they give us a good spot on the camping ground that faces the lake Something in the future, down the track, I'm hoping in a confident expectation that I'll get that camping ground spot that faces the lake that gives me a really good view. It's something in the future. That's probably the general way that we use there the word hope. It's the confident expectation of something good that's going to happen in the future somewhere down the track. And this hope then becomes sort of the wind beneath our wings. It's the thing that sort of carries us on as we travel through life. Hope becomes the strength that keeps us going sometimes when our immediate circumstances don't give us that expectation of a good outcome. We may feel hopelessly overwhelmed by the task of shifting house. I'm sitting in my house, I'm overwhelmed by all these furniture and knickknacks and everything I've collected over the years and I've got to be out by next Friday. I haven't got a truck here, I haven't got the boxes, I haven't got enough time to get all this packed on my own. 
But then I get a phone call to say, six friends are coming around. They're going to help me all of next Wednesday and Thursday to help me. This help or this hope then of an expectation of someone coming to give me a hand is a good thing that gives me the ability to keep going during even looking at this house and seeing how hopeless it is with so much to pack up in such a short period of time. It keeps me going. It's the same when you hear people talking to young people and say, hey, you need to dream big. You need to have a big dream about the future and, and live for that dream. What they're saying there is get hope and expectation out of this dream. And this is what carries us on, is the hope that moves us on and carries us on to the, something we're looking for in the future down the track. Hope is a tremendous thing. It's a vital thing for us to live and carry on in this world. We need hope. What are some of the things we hope for in this life? What are the things that we actually put this confident expectation in? Some people may say, I just hope for a successful job. I hope that I can have a successful career. I want a career that I can be fulfilled and have enough money to do all the things I want to do in this world. A job that I can look forward to to going each day. A job where I can have satisfaction. I'm hoping and putting my confidence in a good job and a good career to be successful. Some people will hope for a peaceful, harmonious life. If I can have peaceful relationships with family and friends, I would be just stoked. That would be life for me if I could have that peace and that harmony in my life. If I can meet people every day and have great conversations where we all work together and we all get on happily ever after, so to speak, hey, that would be something I could really look forward to, something I'd really be hoping in. Some people will be hoping for health and well-being. That's a major thing people will be hoping for in this life. If I can remain healthy so that my energy levels allow me to do all the things I'd like to do and to achieve the things I want to achieve and to go see the place I'd like to go see and perhaps tick off my bucket list, if I can keep my state of mind in the right place and not feel anxious or fearful about life, if I can be healthy and have a good well-being, I'll be very, very happy about that. That would be something I'd really like to hope for. There can be hundreds of things we can hope for, hundreds of things that we're putting some sort of confident expectation or hoping that this will take place. And they're all good things to hope for, really good things. It's it's a good thing to want to be successful in your career, a good thing to have a successful job. It's a good thing to have peaceful relationships. It's a good thing to have uh, health and well-being. They're great things to hope for, definitely. Because all these things contribute to the growth of a very contented and well-balanced community as we have these things that are good things that we place our hope in. What's the confidence, though, that we have for these hopes? Or what is the confidence that we are placing our hope in, which is really, really important here? It's the object or the hope is built on this confidence that will deliver the desired expectation. It's very important that we sort of see what this object or confidence is. Because will it deliver what I'm expecting it to deliver? Will this confidence or will this object I'm placing my hope in, will it be able to deliver to me what I need? Now, for some who are hoping for that um, successful job or successful career, they're wanting, obviously, to work for a profitable or growing company. Hey, I need to work for a profitable, growing company because that's what I'm placing my hope in in this successful career. If the company goes over, I'm in trouble because my hope's gone. For others, it's hoping that people have the right attitudes towards each other to have peaceful and happy and harmonious relationships. That's the confidence or the object of their hope that they're putting in is people having the right attitudes. And for others who are hoping for health and well-being, I hope there's good doctors, I hope there's good hospitals, I hope there's good staff who can direct me in my life to give me good health. It's the confidence of what that hope is in for them to see that come to fruition. You see, these things are are the things that people are putting their trust or their hope in 
to deliver the expectations of what their hope is all about. These things need to be strong enough to deliver that confidence or to deliver that hope. And now we all know that painfully know actually that these objects of hope, really many of them are outside of our control. Sure, we might choose a good company to go and work for or a good business to go and and, uh, build a career in, but the company I thought was profitable and was solvent, it turns out a couple of years later it's gone under. Where I was banking and hoping on this career, looks like it might come crashing down. Well, the people I trusted for good relationships to give me peace and harmony in my life, they've turned their back on me. They're outside of my control. Well, the medical advice that I've gotten, I've actually just found out it's the wrong diagnosis and it pushed me down the wrong track. Some of these things we place our confidence in can let us down and sometimes painfully can let us down majorly. And when that happens, our confidence is squashed. When those things let us down, hope seems to be like that bubble that bursts. The pin pops the balloon and our confidence is gone. But even if those things did stack up and the company was good and strong and, and people did have good relationships and my health was good, where I might have a liver, I'm actually feeling, finding all of my hope abandoning and all of my expectations being met. There's still something else though that comes along and uh, takes away our hope. And that one big enemy that comes along and dashes all of our hopes ultimately is death. Death does knock on our door and when that comes it can crush all types of dreams and crush all types of hopes. It is the terminating blow to all of our hope where we've built it on in this world. All our dreams and expectations can be snuffed out by this major enemy of humanity, the number one enemy of humanity, death. And there's nothing in this world that can offer us hope beyond death in that sense. And this is the reality of the world we live in. We have good hopes and we have good desires for happy outcomes and confident expectations. But often this world fails to deliver. It doesn't meet up. It's not able to put that object of confidence there that we can trust it entirely to deliver our hopes and ultimately death becomes the major enemy that takes all of our hope away. This is where Easter steps in. This is where Jesus Christ and the resurrection steps in and offers a hope that this world cannot offer. A hope this world cannot even in a million years think about offering in any way. This becomes the Easter hope. This is a hope that Jesus offers that is absolutely rock solid. Total confidence cannot be eroded. It is as strong as anything you could possibly think of, and even stronger than that, because Jesus is beyond anything in this world. It's a hope that will not fail, and it's a hope that actually grows stronger and stronger within us each day who are trusting in this hope that Jesus provides. Looking at those scriptures we just read before, the first one there in verse 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here's Peter. He's writing a letter to a group of Christians in Asia Minor. And these people are struggling. These people are finding life really hard and they're finding life really difficult. They're actually facing persecution. Uh, Life for them from the very outset is pretty hopeless for these people here that Peter is writing this letter to. Most of their dreams and aspirations in life, perhaps whether it's career or peaceful and happy relationships or, or health and well-being, are being torn apart as they are picked on and they're abused by the community that they are living within here in First Peter where he writes this letter. So Peter writes them a letter to offer them hope. He's writing to them in the middle of all this uh, hopeless situation with trials all around about them. He writes to them to remind them 
of this hope that we can depend upon and we can count on here in Christ. First of all, we need to see that the hope Peter reminds them about is the hope that comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says there through that verse that it comes through the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of Jesus is the cornerstone. It is the absolute capstone, the foundation of the Christian hope that we believe in. If you take the resurrection out of the Christian faith, we are done. It's all over. Let's lock the gates, turn the lights off, let's all go, because there is nothing left to be achieved if you take the resurrection out of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no good news if there's no resurrection. Paul wrote about this when he was writing to the Corinthians. People in that church were saying, hey, we don't think there is a resurrection. So Paul counteracts that and says this in verses 12 to 19 in Corinthians 15. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. It's empty. It's good for nothing. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And Paul goes on to say this in verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Pretty strong answer there, Peter's. But what he's really saying there is, if there's no resurrection, forget Christianity. If there's no resurrection of Jesus Christ, the whole thing falls over. He says that there's no resurrection where all people are, are the most to be pitied. Why would we go through believing this and believing a lie for nothing? The resurrection is absolutely pivotal here in the Christian faith. Critically important. This is what makes the Christian faith stand alone compared to any other religion in this world. There is no other religion in this world that talks about a risen Christ that talks about a risen Saviour. There isn't, you can name any religion you like, there is not one that can attest to the fact of a risen Christ or a risen Saviour within their religion. This makes Christianity stand alone. You see, the hope that the resurrection speaks of is the hope that goes beyond death. Beyond death, man's biggest enemy. This is the hope that has to be, this is the hope that is offered to overcome the greatest enemy of mankind. Death that plagues all of us. And death is the one thing that squashes all hope in this world. Jesus, you've overcome death. How has this happened? How has, God, how has Jesus overcome this death? Jesus came to this world to fix our massive problem of sin. Our ignorance of God and our willingness to do life our own way has earned the justice of our Creator. We've put our hope in everything else but God. We've turned our backs upon God and say, hey, it's my way. I'll put my hope somewhere else and I'll go trust in something else. God determines as the creator of us and the just creator of that. He says the justice or penalty of that will be death. Jesus lives a perfect, totally sinless life before God the Father. And then Jesus gives up that life by taking our place and bearing our penalty of sin upon the cross, which we just remembered on Friday. That's why Jesus dies. He comes to take God's justice in our place. His sacrifice becomes the sacrifice that fully satisfies God's justice 
because of our rebellion before God. And because Jesus is totally and completely innocent of any sin, death cannot hold him down. So Jesus rises out of that grave on his own power and Jesus lives forevermore. Jesus lives forevermore. And this is the same hope now that Jesus offers to all those who put their trust in him, who put their trust in what he has done. He gives us hope, a confident expectation of life beyond death, a life beyond here and all the troubles we experience in this world. And this confident expectation is built on the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that he has performed uh, for us. And this is the same hope that Peter reminds them of in verse 3. He reminds them here of this hope in verse 3 of the resurrection of Christ. He says, you've been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. It rests on that. Let's let's have a look at a few things here that that Peter says about this hope that uh, the Christian faith is built on. And he says here, uh, about Jesus Christ. The first thing he says is this is a living hope. Born again to a living hope. The truth of the resurrection is a hope that the Holy Spirit grows in our hearts. Grows it. Grows it. It's not a diminishing hope. It's not a hope that weakens with time. It's not a hope that sort of gets weaker and weaker and I get frailer and frailer. In fact, it's the opposite. The hope of the resurrection grows. Grows deeply in our hearts. And actually, surprisingly, the, the, the hope of the resurrection strengthens and grows in the hardest passages of life. When life is most difficult, the hope of the resurrection increases and grows. When life's coming at us in the most painful of times, the hope of the resurrection actually sweetens within us as we look to the future. It's a longing then of putting off the brokenness of my life and of putting off the brokenness of this world that grows within me. It's a longing and a yearning to put off all these trials and troubles that we find ourselves in. It's in these times when circumstances are grim that hope grows. I've been to the doctor, I get a cancer report back and I was hoping for good news but my blood cell count has taken a nosedive. It's bad news. It's really bad news. But in that, amazingly, God's spirit grows within me a sweeter and a deeper hope and longing for the resurrection of Christ. It's a standing that this hope grows and doesn't diminish in our lives. Peter points us also towards the future inheritance with this resurrection hope. In verse 4 he says this, To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. The living hope is an inheritance. What's an inheritance? Probably some of you are thinking, I hope I've got a good inheritance coming with perhaps my parents or somewhat. An inheritance is something we receive or something that is passed down to us can be a great gift sometimes for some people. They get a bit of a surprise that some auntie or uncle's left them something in their will. An inheritance is something passed down. So what is God saying here? What is Peter saying here uh, that God um, shares through Peter's life? God is going to pass on to us, inherit, pass on down to us, the same resurrection life that Jesus has. We have a living hope that we will inherit the internal life free of all pain, suffering and hardship and death. And that's exactly what takes place when we become followers of Jesus. God calls us from darkness to light or from death to life and we then enter into eternal life there and then on that spot. We are having and received this eternal life but we only receive it in part on this earth now. Next, Peter uses three words here to describe this living hope, to give it it some sort of application in our lives. He says here in one of the words, imperishable. 
It's imperishable. This hope and this inheritance will never break down. It will never break down. It doesn't have a limited lifespan. It's not like a carton of milk that you buy that says, used by such and such a day, and then it's finished. It's gone. Unless you can give it to the cats or the dogs, and they'll drink it any time they like after that used by date. That's not the living hope we have. It's imperishable. It will not break down. The resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us a living hope that is imperishable. Peter says it's undefiled. The resurrection life and its hope is pure and undiluted. There is no bad news or no painful reactions mixed in with, with, with what God has prepared for us or what God has waiting for us. It is undiluted. It is undefiled. It is pure. There is no evil for us to encounter in the inheritance that God is passing on to us. It's pure and it's undefiled. Peter uses another word to describe this living hope that God has prepared for us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says this, it's unfading. It's unfading. Somehow, amazingly, the inheritance that we have and will enter into in fullness at the end of our lives will never grow old, will never grow boring. I had this discussion with my teacher friend about um, 33 years, trying to work out when I was last at school, about 34 years ago. 33 years. It was a fair way back anyway. And he had this discussion with me and he said, look, Todd, sure, I can, I can sort of get heaven, but after you've been there a million years, just won't it be boring? Haven't you done everything? And haven't you done everything like a thousand times? And I see this and said, no, it's unfading. Somehow God and his supernatural ability will make heaven grow in delight and increase in growing in delight from day to day to day. It'll never grow old. It'll never fade. It will always be dazzling us in some way in pointing us towards the glory of God. This is the hope, the resurrection hope that Peter here is pointing us to. It's an unfading hope. It's a glorious hope in comparison to the hopes that this world would try and offer us, try and satisfy us with, and try and get us to build our lives on. In fact, nothing can compare to this hope that Jesus brings through the resurrection. It's a future hope, though. We spoke about there about inheritance. Peter says there in verse at the end of verse four, he says, "It's in heaven. It's not here yet. We are here in part. We have a." as it were, the Holy Spirit living within us and we know of Christ and our eyes are opened up to the truth of who he is, but we're not in that hope fully at this stage and we all so painfully know that ourselves. It's a future, confident expectation, exactly what a hope is. But in this broken world or in this challenge where the hope is not fully um, revealed into our lives, God doesn't leave us alone in this hope. And this is a very powerful part of this passage you're about to look at. God doesn't leave us alone. Actually, God is guarding us for this hope. He's guarding the hope that he's placed in our hearts. Look in verse 5. It says there, Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. God is using his almighty power to keep us on track as we wade our way through the challenges of this world. As the difficulties would come and challenge us, with broken hopes and broken dreams, God is guarding this hope within us. He's guarding us to see it revealed in the last uh, salvation. And we need God to guard us in that sense. If we were left to our own devices to try and keep ourselves wandering this path of difficulty and challenge, we would not last a moment. We would be succumbed and overwhelmed by all the brokenness of this world. 
But God doesn't do that. God, by his grace, every day guards this hope within us, keeps us on track. The Holy Spirit, as word, breathes life into our souls every day, keeping our eyes fixed on the heavenly prize or the upward calling of the resurrection of hope that Jesus has effected for us through that resurrection. And this is the hope that the Holy Spirit does breathe into our hearts. And this hope then for us becomes the wind beneath our wings to keep us travelling on. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the grand action and the grand statement of God that truly and absolutely changes everything. It radically changes everything in this world. The resurrection of Jesus Christ radically changed the apostles who witnessed it. These men who witnessed a living Jesus Christ, but only three days before they witnessed him as one who was brutally butchered on the cross. Their last memories of him prior to the resurrection was to see a ghastly figure, a man who was beyond recognition, the Bible tells us, nailed like a piece of meat to a cross three days before. Three days later, they see a risen walking around the earth, Jesus Christ. It radically changed the apostles when they saw it. When these men and other people saw this, they were incredibly empowered to go into all sorts of hostile situations and take the good news of Jesus Christ into incredibly uh, difficult places. And tradition would tell us that most of those apostles actually were persecuted to the point of martyred for their faith. All they had to do was deny the resurrection and turn their back on Jesus and they, would have kept, they could have kept their lives. I think 11 out of the 12 original apostles were, were uh, martyred for their faith. And they did this based on this truth of the resurrection. It radically, radically changed them. And it's no difference with us today. For all, us who also who trust in Christ as well, the Holy Spirit uses the hope of the resurrection to carry us on in this world. This is the hope. It's the hope of the resurrection that keeps us living for Jesus when circumstances are totally indifferent to where we'd like them to be. When things don't look like the way we want them to, they are, the resurrection or the truth of the resurrection comes in and strengthens us. When we're in a really difficult place with painful relationships and we feel absolutely deflated, the hope of the resurrection fills us with love and compassion to keep pressing on regardless. There are better days ahead. The resurrection gives us this whole new Mindset, a whole new view upon this world that we look forward to. The hope of the resurrection also produces joy. It's an incredible benefit that God builds in our hearts as well as we think and reflect on this resurrection. Verse 6 of uh, 1 Peter, where we've just been reading, it says this, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. Peter's not disregarding the trials, saying, yet yeah, they're there. The trials are absolutely there. But because of this hope of this resurrection, you can rejoice in that. Only God can do that through the work of his spirit in our hearts as he unveils the truth of this resurrection hope that Jesus has achieved for us. The resurrection of Christ is a resurrection of eternal hope. It's a hope that Jesus alone gives us. It's a hope that is rock solid, that we can have supreme confidence in. The risen risen living Jesus testifies to his saving and keeping power for this hope and God guards us through to the end in this incredible hope that the resurrection brings for us. Let me just close with this uh, true story here about uh, the truth of the resurrection. 
Some of you may know a couple by the name of Bill and Gloria Gaither. They are prolific hymn writers. Some of you might have their CDs or DVDs at home. Uh, they do some fantastic stuff where they sing the truths of the gospel and they sing the truths of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, when they were a very young couple, way back in the early 1960s, they were expecting their third child. And at that particular time, they are going through a very, very dark patch of their lives. They were believers, but at the same time, they were going through a very, very dark period. Uh, Bill Gaither was in a very long sickness. America was going into a, a, a deep into the drug culture back in the 60s. It was happening all around about them with uh, free love and free drugs was sort of the catchphrase of America back then. And the thought of God being dead was uh, strongly pervading into the universities also in a very strong way back in the 1960s. Bill and Gloria Gaither were expecting their third child and they were filled with despair. Absolutely filled with despair. They thought, what are we doing bringing another child into this life, into life, into this country? This country's uh, heading down the tubes as far as they were concerned and they felt fearful and they felt hopeless in this time as the situation and the circumstances around about them seemed to be crushing in upon them. On New Year's Eve of that year, the Holy Spirit came and breathed life into their despairing souls that evening as they sat down together. They said in an interview they both felt a calmness and a peacefulness come over them, uh, come over their souls, and that what it spoke to them would be that all would be well. And they later put that peace down to dwelling on the resurrection of Jesus Christ as they lived amongst those difficult circumstances at that time. They said, as we just began to meditate and to think about the resurrection hope that Jesus has brought to us, it began to bring a calming peace upon us where we felt, no, all is okay. All is okay because Jesus is in control. And because of that, they wrote a song that some of you may remember. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. So you can see the hope of the truth of the resurrection that breathes and sparks life and hope into the hearts and minds who are putting their trust in Christ. It's a real hope. As Andy wrote to Red, he says this, Red, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. Friends, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the best of things, and it is a hope that will never die. Can I ask you today, what are you hoping in? What are you putting your trust in and, your, and what is your confident expectation that it will deliver for you what you're hoping in? Could be a successful career. Could be for happy and uh, peaceful relationships. Could be for health and well-being. Good things to hope for. But will it carry you all the way to the grave and beyond the grave? Can what you're hoping in deliver you the expectations of life beyond this grave. What are you putting your trust in? That is critically, critically important. Let's pray. Father, we want to uh, come before you today and just uh, give you thanks and praise for the hope that you have placed in our hearts through the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God, this is a glorious hope. This is a hope that is beyond this world. This is a hope that is out of this world. Father, today we thank you for the amazing sacrifice of Christ to affect this hope for us and to bring this hope now as a living reality into our hearts. Lord, we could nearly sing that same song with Bill and Gloria Gaither. 
because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Lord, because you live, we can now enter into eternity with confidence and expectation that we will be welcomed by you because we have put our trust in your death for the payment of our sins. Lord, today I want to pray for those, Father, perhaps been to church only a handful of times in their life and maybe haven't heard too much of the message of the gospel. God, I really pray today that you would just open their hearts up to see the truth that is found in Jesus. The truth that nothing else in this world can even come near to matching with. God, I pray that you would birth in their hearts right now the reality of Christ, the reality of what he's done on the cross and the reality, Lord, of the resurrection hope that is given to us today. God, I thank you for that now and I do uh, ask and I do pray that in Jesus' precious and mighty name. Amen. We're just going to close with a song. Uh, If anybody would love to uh, catch up with me post-service and have a talk about any of those things, I would be more than happy to see you and uh, talk further. I would love to do that. So uh, join with us now as we sing and then for morning tea uh, afterwards. Thank you. Join us as we sing, I praise the name.